And so just before we get into the message, I just want to, to give honor where honor is due. How I many you know that's in the Bible, right? And so I want to give you honor as, as a church, as Impact Life Church. I want to say thank you. Uh, say thank you to Impacting Canada Ministries as well for helping Ingrid and I go. Uh, Ingrid has already left the building, it looks like, but you know, she, I'm speaking for her right now. Uh, I'm representing her this morning as well. Just wanted to say thank you because, uh, you know, we are making an impact. How many of you know? Not just in Red Deer, not just in Canada, but in various parts of the world as well. And that's very exciting. So just wanted to say thank you to help us go to these places. Uh, we're leaving, or I'm leaving this morning or um, this week. And when I say I, I really mean we, but Ingrid can't always come with me because there's lots to be done here. Uh, Marcel is still at home <laughs> at 15 and we're really glad that he is home, praise the Lord, at 15. Uh, Eric just moved out. Um, he's moving out and he's moving back in. That's typical of the, this generation. But, but it's not all his fault. It's, he blames it on me and that's good. We like to have him back every time, any time that we can. So. But just to let you let you know, uh, this coming week I'm going to be in the city of Pereira, Colombia, that's South America, uh, where I was last year as well. And, you know, not only do, are we involved in church meetings, but we do leadership meetings. This church has exploded from just a handful to over 600. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of people all at once. Amen. So thank you for helping us go. Then the week after we're going to be in Vulcan, Alberta. That's how you do that, I mean. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, November, we're going to be in Africa, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. You've got to be able to talk in tongues to even say that word. Isn't that right? Addis Ababa. And uh, just to let you know that, you know, it's opening wide up for us, you know, for what's happening there. Not only uh, are we doing campaigns like we've done in the past, some miracle, or yeah, miracle and medical missions. But we're involved now with uh, pastor's leadership. So we're going to have a, an opportunity to invest in over 2,000 pastors who are coming to this conference. Uh, and then we're making, we're, we're preparing for next year to do something similar again for 2000 to help us start a Bible school in Ethiopia in 2019. So there's a great need there in that part of the world. When I talk about Ethiopia, it's not just that country alone, but there's Somalia, Eritrea, Djibouti, there's all kinds of South or Northern Sudan. There's, you know, there is some Christianity, but very little teaching. So we want to start a Bible school and impact uh, Bible school in that part of the world and I believe it'll be very effective so we're making plans we're talking with some of the leaders who have asked us to become involved with them uh, November the 20th through the 22nd I'm going to be in uh, Mombasa Kenya with Rema Dua Rema week and a graduation at the end then we're going to go or I'm going to I'm going to go Ingrid would love to come but I'm, I'm going to be the one who's going to go to the Sunshine Coast Australia where there is a church plant, a Rama, a Rama Australia church plant going on with Pastors Grant and Linda Peterson. But on their team, they have some very special people by the name of Ethan and Chloe Enns. You may know them. <laughs> and so they're involved with the church plant and it gives me an opportunity to be there for a few days at least. 
four or five days uh, just to do something there. And uh, then I'm flying over to Fiji where there will be about 45 to 50 pastors uh, who want training. So uh, Pastor Wayne Hancock from Maui has asked Ingrid and I to go. So I'm representing Ingrid and I'll do it well. <laughs> I'll do it well. So thank you for helping us go because you know the investment that you make, you know the financial, the prayer investment, all the investment that you make into the church here, into Impact in Canada as well. Uh, not only benefits us here locally and regionally, but is making a difference in various parts of the world. Amen. And how, how many of you know that the person who sends, who is going, you know, not only gets the, the uh, reward for it, but the person who helps go, the person that sends, gets just as much. Amen. That's a very biblical uh, scripture. So that's... Uh, that's important to, to, to know. So praise the Lord. All right, let's get into our message this morning, uh, which has to do with, they've asked, uh, you know, the team, Pastor Joel and Jamie and the team have asked us to do um, a message on smashing stupid mindsets. And so I didn't know exactly what that meant, but, you know, but they told us exactly what they want us to teach on, which is, Breaking the mindset of the fact that God is in control over everything that happens. Amen. Now there's a part that's true, right? But there's a part that's not true. And so I believe that as we dig into the word, I believe that you'll get a good picture of the part that is true and the part that is not true. Not everything that happens on earth is, is, is automatically God's will. Now we would like it to be that way. We would like to say, well, this is God's will for my life. And we look back, well, this must have been God's will. But uh, if you line it up with what the Word says, you know, and if, if what you're experiencing does not line up with what the Word says, then guess what? You have two choices you can make. You can either go with what the Word says and work with the Word until it becomes your experience. Or what a lot of Christians do is they try to match the Word with their experience because it's more comfortable. It's just much more comfortable to adapt the Word to the experience that you have and just write it off while this must be the mysterious will of God. And that's what happens a lot. So if you are part of this church, you'll hear, you will hear the opposite. You will hear statements such as, God's Word is the final authority. Isn't that right? Because if God has said it, that settles it, whether I believe it or not. Now, some people will say, well, God's word, uh, God's word said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, no, no, no. God's word said it, and that settles it, whether I believe it or not. God's word is already settled in heaven. So our job on earth is to get it settled into our spirits to such a degree that it will help you uh, for it to become your experience. Does that make sense? All right. So when we're talking about the sovereignty of God, we're really clearing up some misconceptions regarding God's interaction with the human race. Right? That's really what we're talking about. We're talking about, uh, really, you know, that's one way to put it. We're talking about the sovereignty of God. The question is, is God sovereign? 
And I think that's a really important question to answer. Because if you talk to most Christians, they would immediately say, yes, he, he is. And I would agree with them, but only up to a point. Because we will see from the Bible, and I'll, I'm just jumping ahead of myself, because you know we, we may as well start with where the answer is at. The answer lies in what he has said. God said uh, in Psalm 115 and verse 16, The heavens are the Lord's. But the earth has he given to the children of men. So God rules and he operates in the heavens. In his own kingdom, he is sovereign, right? But when it comes to the earth, he does need your help. He needs our cooperation in order for his will to, to take place. Why else would Jesus pray or tell us to pray this prayer your will be done on earth as it is in heaven why would we have to pray that if god is sovereign on the earth right we would not we would not need to pray that prayer why would we have to go into all the world and preach the gospel if it's automatically god's will for someone to get saved and for someone else not to get saved isn't isn't that right you know it's god's will the bible says for all men to be saved. My question to you would be, do you see that happening? Well, no, you don't see that happening. So if like, let's, let's say just like we're going to do at the end of this service, we're going to give an altar call. We're going to give people the opportunity to make Jesus Lord in, in their lives. Well, let's, let's say that four people show up, five people show up, but there's one person that says, well, you know, I'm not ready. So does that mean it's not God's will for that person to get saved that particular time? Well, no, it's got to do with where we're at, right? So God works with the human race because of the fact that he, yes, he rules in the heavens. But when it comes to the earth, he works with the human race because the heavens, even the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of men. We see it when he created Adam in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, where God said, Let us make man in our image and let them have what? Dominion, authority, you could say, over the earth, over every creeping thing, over everything that moves and crawls, over everything. Right? So man was created in the image of God, and God put man, Adam, in that place of authority. Now, what did Adam do with his authority? I'm getting f very far ahead of myself already. But that's because you guys are just so smart already. You've already been taught this. But what did Adam do with his authority? He gave it away to the devil. And from that moment on, it's Satan who started to rule on the earth. Satan is still, according to the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, the God of this world system. Isn't that right? He's the God of this world system. Well, uh, what do you have to do to, to get from, from underneath him? Because I don't want to be underneath the God of this world system. I want to be in a different kingdom. And you get into that kingdom by receiving Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. But just simply acknowledging him, Jesus is Lord. And if you believe that uh, in your heart and you say that with your mouth, then you are saved. Isn't that right? And you move, you're translated from the kingdom of darkness where 
Satan is God, and you move over, you're translated, you move over into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of His dear Son. How I many you know that's a good place to be? Right? So that's why you are not under His Lordship. Right? You're not un- under Satan's under Satan's lordship. You're, you're not there. You have moved on. You've moved over. Amen. You're not under the weather. How I many you know that's good news? You're not under the circumstances. Right? I mean, people say that all the time. You know, you ask them, how, how are you doing? Well, not too good under the circumstances. Right? Well, what are you doing underneath the circumstances when you have been placed above it all? You are ruling and reigning in Christ Jesus. You've been, you've been not only raised from the dead like He was raised from the dead, but you are now seated in heavenly places, woo, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion. And every name that is named. How many of you know where you are seated has a lot to do with how you're treated? Isn't that right? We have said this many times in this church, but you know, earlier on, you know, uh, we were maybe started flying a little bit. Then every once in a while, we were shown favor by the airline, and instead of going economy, we were placed in first class. Ooh. And I tell you what, if you fly in first class, you're not a number like the peasants behind the blue curtain in the back. Right? You are treated as a human being. I mean, you get a menu. They know your name. And you haven't even gone to cruising altitude yet. They already come to you with juice and with coffee and with a menu. And it's not just chicken or beef. I tell you what, you get a menu and you get to choose from it. Man, when we did that for the first time, I think I can get used to this real quick. Where you are seated has a lot to do with how you're treated. Amen. It felt good to sit in business class instead of behind the blue curtain where the peasants are. Right? One of the peasants actually tried to come through my curtain and use our bathroom. So I wanted to stick up my foot and trip him and say, get back to where you belong. I didn't do that. you know. Just trying to make a point. It's good to, to be seated in heavenly places. Right? So you are not under the circumstances. You're not under the lordship of Satan, you're not under under the weather, but you're above it all. So why not act like that? Right? You're not trying to get someplace. You're not trying to get blessed. You're not trying to get the victory. You're not trying to become prosperous. You're not trying to get healed. You already are in Christ. So that's where your that's where your place is. So you gotta learn to hold your place. Amen. It's kind of the same thing. You, have, you know, if you if you work at a car rental place, they sometimes struggle with the reservation sides of things, right? They were able to take the reservation, but they're not always able to hold the reservation. You can get to the car rental place and say, "Well, I made a res- reservation for this car." Well, we don't have any. Yeah, but I made a reservation. Yeah, but we don't have any. So <laughs> there's, there's something wrong with that picture, isn't, isn't it? So the same thing for Christianity. You have to not only take your place, but once you've taken your place, you to, you've, have to be able to hold your place, right? Because it's the, it's the devil that likes to kick, you know, kick your chair over, 
and place it somewhere else. You're right. So if you are getting up, you better hold on to it. You know, in the back to make sure it doesn't go too far. All right. So the sovereignty of God. Hallelujah. So let's talk about some of the the, the misconceptions that I believe are in this world. For instance, some let me give you some some of the misconceptions here. Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? That's a fair question, isn't it? The only way that you can answer that is if you understand the fact that God is not as sovereign the way that people think he is. He is sovereign in his own kingdom, but he's not sovereign on this earth. So that's the, really the reason why sometimes good or bad things happen to good people. The other way would be true too. You know, why do good things happen to bad people? <laughs> They're both true. <laughs> so, or this one, if God is sovereign, why does he allow sickness, wars, and famine on, on earth? Amen. So examples are Job and Paul, right? I mean, it doesn't matter where I've been on in this world. You know, when I teach on healing, the three questions that will always, always, always be asked is this. Well, what about Job's boils? What about Paul's thorn? What about Joni Erickson Tada? Right? Those are the three questions I always get. So in order for us to answer those questions accurately, we're going to have to know what it means. Is God sovereign? Is he really in charge of everything that happens? And the honest truth, the short answer would be, well, no, he's not in charge of everything that happens. If he were in charge of everything that happens, you know, he would make you pay your tithes. <laughs> But he can't, and, and he won't. He, will, he would make everybody get saved. Right? Every, everybody would be, would be saved in no time, and we'd be going into the thousand-year reign of Jesus tomorrow morning. But it doesn't work that way. How, how does it work? Well, God works with people. And that's the reason why he's extremely patient with the human race. He's willing to wait it out. He's willing to stick it out until we get it. Right? I mean, I'd be, I'll be honest, it's taken me a few, a few years to finally get something from Him. Amen. Alright, so let me give you some other, some misquoted scriptures. For instance, uh, all things, this is, you know, taken from Romans chapter 8. And verse 28, now how many of you know you got to be careful with quoting scriptures or think that you're quoting scriptures, right? Like I remember making statements such as, well, bloom where you planted. See, I thought it was in the Bible. <laughs> and the reason why I thought it was in the Bible is because my mom had a scripture on her wall or she had a, a, you know, she had this saying on her wall in the bathroom, bloom where you planted. So I thought it must be in Proverbs. So I would often quote scripture, right? Bloom where you planted. So when the time came for us to move churches, my, my, my dad asked me, right? Or he asked us, you know, why, why don't we move churches? We're basically kicked out of the church where we're at. So why don't we go over to this new charismatic church? And so I thought, well, you know, uh, it's, it's right on the wall. Bloom where you planted. You're not supposed to move churches. That's what I thought. 
You know, but my dad asked me to pray about it, so I did. And the more I prayed about it, the more I heard something on the inside of me. He said, no, we got to move. I thought, well, that's not right. Because the Bible says, bloom where you planted. <laughs> but how many of you know the Bible doesn't say that? It doesn't say that at all. Right? Or, you know, what I used to think was a scripture as well. Because a charismatic Christian in my early days, you know, when I didn't know anything about the Lord or about the Bible, would say this to me, God helps those who help themselves. So again, that sounded good to me. I thought, well, that must be in Proverbs. <laughs> now, there's a little bit of truth to it, but it's not in the Bible. So we got to be careful what we think is the Bible and, and what's not the Bible. And even when it's in the Bible, how many of you know you still got to take it in context? Isn't that right? So here we got the scripture. People say this all the time. Well, Brother John, all things work together for good to those that love God. And really what they're doing is they take their little pencils, their whatever pencils they are, their Presbyterian, Baptist, full gospel, charismatic pencils, and they write in there, all bad things work together for good to those that love God. But is that what the Bible tells us? No. It's not talking about all bad things working together for good. They're not. All bad things are working together to get you out of the race, to get you to quit, to get you to die, to get you to, you know, to be a victim. That's what bad, that's what bad things are really for. Isn't that right? So don't write with your little pencil, all bad things work together for good, because the Bible didn't say it. It's talking about all things working together, the stuff that Jesus or that Paul is talking about. He's talking about, especially about Praying and speaking with other tongues, with groanings that, uh, you know, that you cannot offer or utter in, in, archi in, in articulate speech. Does it make sense? So when you pray in tongues and things begin to move on the inside of you, those things in the realm of the Spirit, in your heart, the things, the words that you are speaking that you can't really see right now, but the words that you are speaking, the prayers that you are offering, the tongues, the interpretation of tongues, all the spiritual things are working together for good to those that love God. Does that make sense? So it didn't say anything about all bad things working together because the bad things, once again, they were meant to kill you, to do you in. Amen? Are you out there? All right. Or have you gone home? No, you're still here. All right. So, and we know, verse Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Here's another one that's not really a quote necessarily, but people say this a lot, and it has to do with the sovereignty of God. It has to do with the question, is God really in, in control? Is he really in charge of everything that happens? Uh, so people say, in God's time. In God's time. They say, well, everything happens in God's time. Well, that's not really the case. Now, there are certain things that are definitely in his times. In his time, the Bible says, he has made all things beautiful. So, you know, you remember the time when Jesus was raised from the dead? And his followers asked him, or the, the disciples asked him, uh, Jesus, is this the time that you're going to set up your kingdom? Because they're thinking, you know what, this would be a great time. 
this be a great time. I mean, we've been with you for over the years, and, you know, obviously you've just been raised from the dead. That's all a bonus. That's all a plus. So this might be a great time for us to start a kingdom. And, you know, really they didn't say it, but the underlying statement was, because we'd like to be with you in this new kingdom. That's really what they were asking. So what did Jesus say? It's not for, for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has placed in His own hands. So obviously when it comes to the macro picture, when it comes to understanding the dispensations of God, He has placed them in His own hand. Right? Currently we are, you could say we're in the day of grace. We're in the day of Jesus. We're in the day of the Holy Ghost. We're not in the day of judgment. So don't listen. Right? I mean, there's judgment coming. Don't get me wrong. But don't listen to all the doom and the gloom people who are saying, well, you know, this country is going down because God is hitting the financial system with judgment. Well, no, God's not, not doing that. He's still trying to save people. Isn't, isn't that right? God's got nothing to do with any of the judgment. Now, don't get me wrong. People are reaping, har they're harvesting what they have been sowing. But that's a different story. Can you say amen? Right? We're living in the day of grace. We're still living in the day of Jesus where He is Lord, where He is good. Isn't that right? He's still throwing out grace. There's still more grace available than their sin. Praise the Lord. Now, I understand that's going to change. You know, because in the, in the tribulation period, the Bible tells us that Jesus himself said, where, you know, where iniquity abounds, the love of many will grow cold. But that's a different ballgame. In our day and age, in the day of grace, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So that means there's more grace of, available than there's sin. There's more grace available than there are addictions. There's more grace available than there's sickness and disease. There's more grace available than there is demonic oppression. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. <laughs> so, uh, in God's time, yes, there are things that are in God's time. But how many of you know there's a lot of things that are done in our time? Right? Again, let me bring this up. Sometimes we give altar calls. And I've, you know, sometimes I've preached messages in this church... Just to one person. You didn't know that. You thought it was good. But really I'm talking to one guy because I want to get him up here. And he didn't come. Four other people did show up, but he didn't come. Right? So does that mean, you know, you know like I've heard people say, well, uh, maybe, you know, maybe he's not, maybe it's not his time yet. That's what people say. Well, not according to the Bible. Because uh, according to the Bible, today is the day of salvation. Can you say amen? Isn't that right? So in that sense, it's always God's time to get saved, to get healed, to get blessed, to receive the promises is always right now. Right now. Right now you are blessed. Well, Brother John, you could have fooled me. <laughs> well, according, that's why you got to go with what the Word says. Right now you are blessed. So the minute you connect your voice and agree with what God says, your circumstances, they will change in time. It could be a nanosecond later. It could be a couple of hours, a couple of days later. But that doesn't matter. Right now, you're blessed. Right now, you're saved. Right now, you're healed. Right now, you're rich, according to the Bible. 
Now, can you see that sometimes our experience does not line up with the word? So what do you do? You agree on purpose with the word so that the word becomes your experience. Amen. So God has his time. You've got your time because as many times you're not ready. Right. Oh, man, there's been times in our lives we, we were not ready. You know, doing what we're doing now, we would have given that to us 10 years ago. Now, we, would, we were able to see some glimpses of that. We were starting to do it. But to do what we're doing now, if we would have done it 10 years ago, I would have said, well, I'm not ready. Isn't that, That's the honest truth, right? And how many of you know there's some time, there's a time in the seed code. How many of you know there's time built into every seed? Right? My, my daughter-in-law is pregnant. And uh, so when she gets pregnant, we ask the question, what, when is your due date? And I'm so glad she didn't answer, well, whatever the Lord wants. You know? <laughs> whatever God wants. In His time, He'll make all things beautiful. He will. <laughs> but it's in the time. It's in the time. Does that make sense? It's usually about nine months. Right? Aren't you glad that it's not... Like an elephant, like 22 months or whatever that is. It's a long time. It's a long time. Right? So when you plant barley, you know, there's a gestation period of, I can't remember, it's about five months, I think. Is that right? Some of you would know. You can holler at me if I'm wrong or right. It's about five months. But you could probably be more accurate with how many days. But I'm just going from... You know, you plant it early June. It should be done at the end of September. So approximately five months. You know, the farmers know that and they work with that time frame. What are you yelling at me? Hundred hundred days? That's it. In in what country are you from? Hundred days? That's like a little bit over three months. Okay, well, I was wrong. Okay, anyway, the point I'm making is there's a gestation period. There's a time where the seed gets planted and the time that you can say, there it is, there's the harvest. Right? Now, that's true for your belief system as well. Right? So, so many people are wondering, well, why does it take so long? Why does God take so long? And the truth of the matter is, I'm getting a little bit off track here, but I believe it's very important. The truth of the matter is a lot of people have never planted anything. Right? They've never planted anything. How come it takes so long? Well, not the, if you don't plant anything, it's going to take you a long time to get a harvest. Right? That's true financially, but that's true in your prayer life as, as, as well. You know what happens a lot? People are inspired. They come to the front and or they, they pray a prayer and they say, I believe that I receive. You know what you just did? You planted the seed. Right? That's your job. That's your job. Now you have to let God do His job and you shall have it. That's God's part. But your job is to, I believe that I receive. That's all you got to do. Don't do anything else. Don't dig up the seed and say, I don't think it's working. Don't dig up the seed and say, well, I wonder how long it's going to take. Right? Because a lot of people take it back out. Check it out. You know, that's good seed. It's supposed to be in, in incorruptible seed. You know, how come it's not working? No, leave it there by keeping on saying, I believe that I have received. That's your part in the prayer of faith equation. Right? Where Jesus made the statement. He said, what things ever you desire, that's your job. Right? 
He, he didn't say, you know, whatever God wants you to have. No, 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 no. What things soever you desire, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, simple, when you pray, your job is to believe that you receive. God's part in the equation is, and you shall have. But what a lot of people do, you know, both in the, in the prayer realm and the spirit realm as in the natural, they always check up on how the other person is doing. <laughs> right? I remember, you know, working for my dad, I would, you know, every once in a while, I would let my dad know, you know, uh, one of your kids is not really pulling, pulling his weight here. <laughs> Don't want him any answer name, but... You know, uh, then you know they're not really pulling their weight. I think they ought to do more, and so I would always get the answer back. You don't worry about them. You stick with what I told you to do. Okay, isn't that right? So <laughs> that's the same thing as with God. Don't don't check up on how how well God is doing. Right? That's not your your business. Your business is to believe that you receive. And you shall have. So can you see God is not in charge of any of that stuff? He, he depends on you planting seed in your spirit. He depends on you planting finances in the kingdom of God. Because the minute that you do, now you give him something that he can work with. Amen. So rather than you walking around saying, well, how long? It how come it takes so long? Well, that's, that's not God's business. Right, God, you know, I mean, He's watching over His Word, right, according to Jeremiah chapter 1. And He is quick, the Amplified says, He is quick to perform it. God is not your problem. Never has been your problem, never will be your problem. He wants you to have what you've been asking Him more than you want to have it. In the same way that you want your kids to have more and have it quicker than you ever wanted it for yourself. That's just the way, that's just the nature of God. Find it very interesting as well when you go to the Gospels and hear Jesus talk about his father. You know, he would never talk about him as an, as an ogre. He would never talk to him or about him as being sovereign even. He always talked about the goodness of God. Right? So it's not God sitting in heaven and, you know, he's created mankind. He put him, you know, on the earth. Uh, you know, put him in a kind of little globe and poke some holes in the top, <laughs> you know, to keep us alive. No. And pulling some strings and pushing some buttons, handing some levers, you know, for everything to come out for you on a personal level. Now, he's doing some of that. He is working, right? He is working, but it does not have to be a mystery to you. You can actually become involved in what he's doing. That's what he wants. Right? That's really what he, what he wants. So, this is me now here. This is me. This is what I used to say because it was difficult for me to understand what God is like, how the Bible works. I would say this a lot. Yes, God's promises are true, but it still must be His will for your life. That's what I used to say. Yes, His promises are true, but it still must be His will for my life. And I felt good about it because, you know... Did some thinking about it. You know, I'm looking at my life and I'm thinking, well, you know, I prayed, didn't get it. So it must not have been his will. So, you know, so the outcome must be that, yes, those promises are great. You know, we've got 365 of them, one for every day. They're great, but it still must be his will for your life. 
Now, some of you may not have thought about it that way, but that's how you act. Right? It's nice, but it still needs to be His will. When the truth of the matter is, that is the will of God. Right? Whatever Jesus accomplished for us. So let me put it this way. Whatever God accomplished through Jesus Christ on the cross, in His death, in His burial, in His resurrection, in His ascension, is the perfect will of God for your life. That's His final, that's the final authority. You can't argue with that. So from that, we call it the grace of God. And it is vast like an ocean. Amen. It is deeper than the deepest sea. It is just amazing grace. Right? That's been purchased for us. It belongs to you. Isn't that right? But just because He has provided all those things for us, does not mean it automatically falls upon you. You have to apply your faith. In order for, for it to happen. And I'm, I'm just so glad to, to have found that out earlier on in my Christian walk. Like I, I used to say this, but the answer really came uh, when I went to a meeting with Brother Hagen, who came to this area back, back in 1980. I, I needed healing. Some well-meaning Christian saw that I should go, so I went. <laughs> I'd nev- never heard of Kennedy Hagen, but I thought it was really great, so I went. And so he taught on the woman with the issue of blood. And he got to the place where Jesus made a statement. And he said, now what did Jesus say? What did he say to the woman? What did he say made her whole? He asked a question. Did he say, my grace made you whole? Well, that sounded really good to my ears. Sounded really good. The next question was, did he say, my power, my anointing made you whole? Well, again... That sounded really good to my ears. He asked a question. Did he say, my presence made you whole? Again, sounded really good to my ears. But I checked on my neighbor's Bible. I didn't have my Bible with me because the church I was raised in, well, the church that I went to once in a while, <laughs> they had their Bibles in the front pew, right? You could just pick one out and just read it along. You know, they didn't have that in this uh, hotel room. So I checked on my neighbor's Bible who was healed that night of ALS, by the way. It was pretty good, isn't that? So the words came off the page where Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. That's, you know, that opened up my eyes because I understood that night, yes, it is the grace of God. Yes, it is the power. It is the anointing. Yes, it is the presence of God. But just because it's all available... It's all there, does not mean that you can automatically walk in it. She's the only one out of a whole lot of people that touched him. Some people were thrown into him. Some people just kind of walked into him. Some people probably touched him because they were curious. But the truth of the matter is there was one woman who touched him in a different way by faith. And she was made whole out of that whole group. So my eyes were opened up that even though, yes, it's the grace of God. Yes, it's the anointing. Yes, it's the power of God. Yes, it's the presence of God. Just because it's all there does not mean that you're automatically going to walk away with what you want. Unless you apply faith in what he has said. So again, is God sovereign in that area? Well, no, he totally depends upon you. If you were sovereign in that realm, everybody there would have been healed. But they were not. There was only one, one woman healed. Right? The Bible even tells us. Luke chapter 5, I believe it's verse 17. You know, there were many people. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, a whole lot of UCs. They were out there. 
you know, gathered in one room. The Bible tells us, and the, uh, the power of the Lord was present to heal. Nobody got healed except the guy that came through the roof. Right? He came through the roof. Well, why, why did he get healed? Well, it's very simple. When Jesus saw their faith. Right? No, it's not that Jesus said, you know what? I see faith in you. You can have it. The other guys, ah, forget them. No, 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 no. See, what it does is faith takes what is, what is in God, what is in Christ, and it will make it a part of you so that you can experience it. Right? How many of you know there's power in this building? Isn't that right? I'm not even talking about spiritual power. There's electrical power right here in this building. So, but nothing happens, you know, unless you plug something into it. If you don't plug anything into it, you know, you can be walking around the building and say, I wish there were more power here. I wish there was some electrical power here. Well, there is electrical power here. And, you know, if you're at home and you plug in your hairdryer and it doesn't work, what do you do? Do you phone the, the, the electrical company? Do you phone NMAX or the city of Red Deer and say, come on, guys, what's the matter with you? You know, I'm trying to get ready for church. I'm trying to dry my hair. You know, it's not working. What's the matter with you people? Would you do that? Well, no. The first thing you would do is you might, you know, check if you turn it on. Right? <laughs> Secondly, if, it, if that didn't work, you might check the, check the breakers. Now, after many, many checkpoints, you might phone the power company. Say, you know what? I think it's you. <laughs> right? But usually it's not them. Usually it's just something simple on, on our side. Isn't that right? So again, how, you know, God is only as sovereign as you let Him be in your life. God is only as much in charge in your life as you allow Him. Does that make sense? So, all right. So in order for us to understand it even more, let's just define what sovereignty is. So, and I'm going to define it to you from from a from, from an English uh, di dictionary, would that be all right? I went on the web, <laughs> and I just found you know what different uh, dictionaries say, including Wikipedia. Now, if you go to Wikipedia, you can never be wrong. So, <laughs> so let's go here. Defining sovereignty based on the dictionary. Number one, unlimited in power. Sovereignty means. For someone, God is unlimited in power. Now, would you agree with that? Yes? No? It's not a trick question. The answer is yes. God is un unlimited in power. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, certain scriptures will bring it out in the Greek, omnipotent. He is omnipotent. For the Lord God, omnipotent reigneth. I get some singing in this morning because my, my wife told me I can't sing. So she told me not to sing this morning. But I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just I'm, I'm, I, Actually, what I'm trying to do is in a sovereign way, I'm trying to get you up here to defend yourself or to say something. Sorry. Want to defend yourself? Okay, okay. Pardon me? God will defend you. He will. He has already. Alright. So God is all powerful. Meaning this. He is omnipotent. Not only that. But God is able. If he's all powerful. It would mean he is able. And you hear people say that. Oh brother John. God is able. He is well able. Is that right? 
Okay, no problem there. Next one is, it would also mean this, that he is unlimited in authority. God is unlimited in authority. Sovereignty according to the secular dictionary would mean this. He is unlimited in authority. Would you agree with that? No. I don't either. No, you, you can't agree with that because he has placed limits on his own authority. Isn't that right? He's placed limited. Let, let me give you a simple example. Titus chapter 1 verse 2. God who cannot lie. Now, that does not mean he doesn't have the ability to lie. He's got the ability to lie. He could do it if he wanted to. Right? But he has placed a restriction on himself. He has told himself and he has told the human race, I'm not going to lie to you. Whatever I've told you, I'm going to do it. So God cannot lie in that sense. But that's the reason why he cannot lie is because he has limited himself so that he cannot lie. Right? When you give something away to someone else, right? Like he did. God gave the earth. He gave it away to Adam. The minute you give something away, it's no longer yours. You may be the owner of it, but you're not in charge of it. Isn't that right? If I give, if Inga and I give the keys to our house, to our youngest son, Marcel, right? We're still the owners of it. But whatever happens while we're gone and he's got the keys, whatever happens is between him and the Lord. <laughs> Isn't that, <laughs> Isn't that right? Whatever would happen. If we come back, you know, and our house is burned down, you know, it wasn't us doing it. I mean, we'd have to look at the guy who's got, who we gave the keys to. He said, well, what happened? I don't know. <laughs> was my standard answer? Uh, I don't know. When I was a kid? I don't know. You know, I remember, you know, we were told, we were, we were warned in no uncertain terms. My mom told me, do not touch, do not touch the heater. Or that, you know, the, the, the thermostat. Do not touch the thermostat. But, you know, like a little kid, I got cold. And so I, I knew I shouldn't do it, but I did it anyway. I turned up the heat because I was cold. So the question is, ask me, who touched the thermostat? And because there were more kids, you know, it took, a, took my mom a little while to figure it all out. But finally, I would confess, yay, it was me. And so you get, then the next question usually is, well, why did you do it? You know, or what were you thinking? <laughs> right? To which is no logical answer, you know. So my answer was, well, I just looked at it and then I touched it. So it just kind of happened. I looked at it and somehow without there being any influence inside of me, you know, I just happened to touch it. Right? Isn't that what kids do? Millennials especially these days. Don't get me started. <laughs> so God is all powerful. God is able. His power and ability are subject to man's cooperation. Right? Let me give you... I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm backing up a little bit because... No, I'm on the wrong screen. Okay. I get used to this. Back to this. Unlimited authority. So he is limited in his authority. And it's not because we told him to become limited in authority. It's because he placed those limitations upon himself. In his sovereignty, he placed limitations upon him himself. He can only do and perform what the word says.
He's not going to go outside of the Word. He's not going to do anything outside of the Word of God. But he told, he cannot lie. Whatever he's told you, I'm going to do it. Right? He can't wait. What, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. That's a real powerful statement. Really, Jesus was saying this. Whatever you ask in my name, even if I don't have it, I will create it for you. But how many of you know he's got everything? Whatever you need belongs to you. In Jesus' name. That's where your authority is. Okay. Now, number three, someone who is sovereign is someone who has the power and the right to, to, to control himself without the inf- interference of an outside source. Now, let me ask you this question. Does that sound like God? Is he a type of a person, you know, like this, like, like the dictator from North, North Korea? <laughs> Right, who does not need anyone and who does not want any interference in his kingdom. Does that sound like the God that we serve? Well, the answer would be no. Because God likes our involvement in the things that he does. Everything. The works that I do, Jesus said, you shall do also. And greater works than these you shall do because I go to the Father. Amen. So he wants us to become involved. So let me quickly bring it because we're getting to the end of of this. Um, Let me just quickly take you here that the Bible, the Bible definition of sovereignty is, yes, God is all powerful. Yes, he is able, but his power and ability are still subject to man's cooperation. Ephesians chapter three and verse 20. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now if he would have stopped there, it would have been really great, right? He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. But notice this, it is according to or to the measure of or in agreement with the power that's working in us. So God can only do Above that you ask or think according to something that's got to work on the inside of you. So that's why it's important to, for the word to work inside of you. That's why it's so important ooh, for the Holy Ghost to work on the inside of you. Isn't that right? That's why it's important for those spiritual forces, for the nature of God, the love of God, the joy, the peace, the long suffering. See, all these are godly qualities that he invested inside of you for all that stuff to work. Can you say amen? Amen. All right. So it's according to, you know, according to how it is working on the inside of us. Isn't this an interesting scripture? You remember when Jesus went to his own, own hometown? Right? The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 6, verse 6, that his own people, his own flesh and blood became offended in him to the point that verse 5 tells us he, now notice this, he could there do no mighty work except that he laid his hands upon a few sick folks and he healed them. So what it says. He could there do. Now it didn't say he didn't want to. Jesus could there do no mighty works. Could has to do with ability. He's all powerful. He's the son of God. Isn't that right? But he could there do no mighty work. Do you, do you, do you get that? Do you get that? He could there do no mighty work. Well, if Jesus' ministry was hindered because of the environment that he was in with the people, right? Because he could there do 
no mighty work. Why, why was that? Well, the rest of the scripture will tell you exactly why. Because of their unbelief. Right? So he could there no, do no mighty work. He could do there no mighty work because of their unbelief. So if he was hindered back in those days with his healing ministry, would that still apply to us in our days? Yes. So that's the reason why you have to preach the word to get rid of what? Unbelief. You have to let people know this is the will of God. Because if you don't know what the, what the will of God is, you would have no basis for any faith. Amen. Very simple, isn't it? So that's why it's so important to be at church where you hear the word of God. Amen. Because you'll hear this is the will of God for you. Healing is the will of God for you. Blessing is the will of God for you. Salvation is the will of God for you. Financial prosperity is the will of God for you. Oh, Brother John, I wouldn't preach that too hard and too loud. You know, not everybody appreciates that. Well, how, how else would you know what the will of God is? When the Bible makes it so clear above all things. I pray, John said, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. How would you know that? Right? Unless somebody tells you. That's for sure. All right. Okay. So God is limited in authority. We, we talked about that. You know, he's limited. He is all powerful. But the power is still limited to how we operate in it, right? His authority is still limited, like I just said earlier, because number one, God cannot lie. Number two, God will never go out of the covenants that he has made, right? He said, my covenant, I will not alter nor change the thing which I have said. It's good, isn't it? Amen. Love you, my baby. <laughs> Amen. Next. Three, number three, he has delegated his authority to man from Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 all the way to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 28. Where the Bible tells us, you know, there's a time coming when all things, all of, all of Jesus' enemies have been placed underneath his feet. And then will the end come. The end, you know, of, of an era come. It's not the rapture. It's not talking about. It's, it's at the end of the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. When he has placed all of his enemies under his feet. And now man has accomplished what God wanted him to accomplish. Through the resurrection and the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which you and I are partakers of. That's where we're walking in. We are his feet. Right? Enemies under his feet does not mean his own personal feet, but it really means he's working with us, with the church, until all of his enemies become, are placed underneath his feet, which is the church. And then the Bible says he's going to give all rule and power back to God where it came from to begin with. Makes sense? So we're going in a, in a, in a circle. So it's a 7,000 year circle, <laughs> or cycle I should say. Pretty long for, 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 for us, but it's only really seven days for him. So we're kind of at the end of the, you know, kind of at the end of the six days. We're getting into the seven days right now. All right. Last but not least, God, well, it's not last but not least, but as far as we can go. But uh, God welcomes, the Bible says, welcomes interaction. Did you know that? Right? We talked about that. Let me just give you this scripture. I just love the scripture. Isaiah 43, 25. God said, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my sake. See, I thought he did it for mm, yours truly's sake, my sake, and for your sake. 
But no, God says, I did it for my own sake. Well, why would that be? <laughs> uh, and uh, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and will not re remember your sin. And then the next verse goes on to say, you declare so that you may be justified. You know, the reason why God has canceled, eradicated, done away with sin is simply so that he has a righteous voice of authority in, 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 in this earth. That's what he needs. So he didn't just do it to save you, to help you out a little bit. No, no, no. I mean, that's true enough. But he really did it for his sake so that he has a strong partner to carry out his will on the earth. Oh, I trust you got something out of it. Let's all stand.